When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Oscars Playback on the Gold Derby Podcast Network. Welcome back to Gold Derby. I'm Christopher Rosen. I'm joined by Joyce and Joyce. We're here for a return edition of Oscars Playback. And to quote the great, we're back. To quote the great host, Whoopi Goldberg, did you miss me? I think that's what she says right when she walks out. Yeah, I I think like one person this does. (laughs) We got one one tweet, uh, but we're so excited to be doing this again. We we, we I know because not... it's June, so June. we're back. We're back, and we said June. We're doing it in June. Uh, we're looking at the the 68th annual Academy Awards choice, the 1996 Oscars, to celebrate the year in film of 1995. What a time! Um. Yeah, you know, I I normally don't revisit a lot of the clips from this year so it it was a journey watching all of them last night <laughs> so I'll, I'll say at the top it's a cursed ceremony I would say for a mm-hmm. lot of reasons yeah. uh, but I was one of the things is I think we think about the years of, of Oscars and I was looking at this like we've done uh the 90 you know 90 <laughs> the, the 69th Oscars I think we already did that was English patient 70th was Titanic uh, you go even before this was Forrest Gump and Pulp Fiction, just incredible, uh, iconic movie years, right? Like some of the greatest movies ever. Uh, and then you think of 95, 96, and it's like Apollo 13 and Braveheart, Shrug. But when I was going through the our favorite page in Wikipedia, the 90, the TK year in film, so 1995 in film, boy, I love so many movies from this year. It is, I, know, it, I have so many favorite films from this year. Like they were not nominated for the Oscar. No, and I was saying to you when I was looking at this last week, uh, I could come up with an a, a alternate of like 12 movies probably that I would say should be nominated for best picture instead of what we got. Cause it's just such a great year. And uh, was reading on the, in our Inside Oscar too, Joyce. Ho- I'll use one of your terms. Hollywood was very pressed about this year. They were not, uh, they were not yeah. feeling 95 in film. But I would say 95 in film is amazing and it really holds up. And a lot of these movies are, while not Oscar movies, were incredibly good movies. So they, I mean, they the- were pressed because a lot of films were not making bank at the box office. This right. was back when box office was huge, you know, very important as part of the Oscar conversation. Right. They cited yeah. in, the, in the book, one of the weekends they cited was October 13th. Which yeah, and that up, was also a Friday the 13th. A Friday the 13th, where the movies released that day were uh, Jade, the David Caruso in Jade uh, from Four-Year-Old Virgin, love it, with a, a terrible movie. Uh, the Scarlet Letter, another terrible movie. And then previous weekend was like Strange Days to Die For and Kicking and Screaming. Now I would say that's an outrageous, those, all those movies came out on the same day. Kicking and Screaming, Noah Baumbach, to die for and strange days which i really really like and is to impossible. Die for is a classic to die for is a classic kicking and screaming is great it totally holds up and strange days is like impossible to find i feel like it's not really it's not one that you could just easily get on physical media for whatever reason but great Catherine bigelow movie uh ray finds 
just amazing dirtbag performance. Love Angela Bassett in it. Uh, screenplay from Jim Cameron, just the best. That movie is really quite good. And and again, just like rope, it was a flop because it was a flop, and everybody's just like, movies suck now. But no, these movies rule. Uh, great year. The the top movie at the box office choice was Die Hard with a Vengeance, which I've seen about thirty thousand times. Of course, it's you the, have the best Die Hard probably. Uh, pairing Bruce Willis and Samuel Jackson off Pulp Fiction, incredible flex. Love it so much. Uh, Toy Story was number two, a big year for animation, as we'll see during the, the ceremony. The first Toy Story. The first Toy Story, just a completely thing that no one had seen before. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, you know, like, just right out of the box. Like, here's a new thing, computer animation like this on a so, large scale. It's so innovative, they had to give John Lasseter a special Oscar. Right. Rather than just den- nominate the movie for Best Picture, which I think they should yeah. have done based on the yeah. list. Uh, Apollo 13, big Ron Howard movie, Tom Hanks off of Forrest Gump before Saving Private Ryan, just getting in that pocket of, I am Tom Hanks and I'm releasing a summer movie for adults that will make a ton of money. Uh, the first, a new James Bond, GoldenEye with Pierce Brosnan. Uh, yeah, with Pierce Brosnan. Love that movie. Love the, the Nintendo 64 game even more, Joyce. That was good. I had that too. Great game. We played it so much in college. That was the number four movie. Pocahontas was five. Batman Forever, which uh, is, a, is a bad movie but left us with Tommy Lee Jones, I believe, uh, telling Jim Carrey, I do not sanction your buffoonery on the set because he hated Jim Carrey so much. And also more Nicole Kidman. Big year for Nicole Kidman in 95. Big year Um, for Nicole Kidman. And and this movie somehow got nominated for cinematography. Just an unbelievable flex. I I don't even understand it even now. Watching the ceremony last night, I thought it was a mistake. And we'll get to it when we do the introductions. But another year, uh, we've done now, I don't know how many of these we've done, but I feel like at least two or three times they've said, Chris O'Donnell, Robin from Batman. That's what they call like. Yeah. He's just, well, with this one, they got it correct because last time they mistakenly called him Batman. Batman. <laughs> uh, seven, another amazing movie. Uh, David Fincher ascendant uh, was the seventh highest grossing movie of the year. Casper the, the Friendly Ghost, Waterworld, which is a flop, but uh, ninth grossing movie. And then I think one of your faves, Jumanji. Jumanji, I love Jumanji, and I love it so much that I can't bring myself to watch the new Jumanji. They're you know? bad. Yeah, like I, I just can't do it, um, but I love uh, OG Jumanji. I made my mom take me to see it on Christmas Day, and it was like snowing, and I was like, we have to go see it. I think it came out like 10 days before, and I don't know why. I, I just chose like Christmas. <laughs> I, I mean, it's a great- It is. It's a Christmas movie. Yeah, it is. <laughs> um, so all these great movies, yeah. Joyce. Uh, and the only one of these to get nominated for best picture was Apollo 13. Uh, and I, like I said, I came up with like, I, I just have a list of movies that I just loved here that I mean, we didn't even mention, but I mean, I don't, we'll do these, I guess we do best picture, but just so many movies. This is the same year. Uh, I'll just see uh, a preview. You could be surprised. I love these casino heat, the usual suspects, uh, get shorty, just incredible movies. I recently re- rewatched get shorty. It is. Of course you did. Un- unparalleled how good it's so good it's just amazingly good not nominated for anything just just a joke the whole thing is i feel like uh just a mess um so yeah um, so the- well, yeah so some of mine i i have those two but some of my faves are uh billy madison i would have nominated for best picture a lot of these i would have nominated but i just yeah. love them from 95 heavyweights good tommy one boy sure tommy Wire boy actually sleeping, my fave rom-com <laughs> Which one? A oh, while you're sleeping. Great movie. While you're sleeping. Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you this about Tommy Boy. It will show up later in my alternate picks in, in a certain category. Of course. Um, and and the other Sandra Bullock movie, The Net. Love, Love the, the Net. Net. 
Yeah. There's an absolutely yeah. devastatingly mean-spirited uh, David Spade joke from Hollywood Men on SNL where he was like, I won't even, I'm not even going to, it's just very bad. It was about the, I'll just say it's about the net and babe, the pig in the city. And those, he put those two together and uh, it's incredibly mean-spirited, but I remember it. It's like burned into my brain uh, from that year at SNL when wow. he was doing Hollywood Minute. Um, um, we didn't yeah. even, I, I'll give you another one, Clueless. I love Clueless. My dad like took me to see Clueless because he's like, you would love this movie. I was 10. (laughs) Great movie. um, Like he just took me to see, he also took me to see To Wong Fu, Thanks for Everything, Julie Newmar, because he wanted to see that. That's funny. So I saw that. Um, As Babysitter's Club, I'm a huge BSC fan. I devoured those books when I was a kid. So, and I watched like the series, like that lasts for like two seasons. I I would borrow them from the library, like the VHS. That's awesome. So I was eagerly anticipating this movie. It came out over the summer. So I made my mom take me to go see it. Um, and what else is there? I'll give you uh, some more. I, I got a mine I wrote down. Uh, this one I didn't see in the theater, but it was definitely a big rewatch on, on cable. Higher Learning, John Singleton off of Boys in the Hood. Uh, incredibly I- ridiculous uh, college movie. And I was like, this is, I was, it scared me because I was like, man, it's college like this. It's just like, it scared you. <laughs> it's scary. It's like, you know, a bunch of white supremacists and there's like a mass shooting. It's awful, but uh, it really sell actually not a, it's like, I rewatched it recently, uh, like within the last like three years, it is still, it's like, it's one of those like, like follow-up movies off the big movie. So like John Singleton obviously broke out with Boys in the Hood and does this next, I believe. It reminded me a little of like Magnolia off of Boogie Nights, even though that was like two and three for PTA, but like, just like, I did a big movie. Now I'm going to take this huge swing and like try to get every idea I've ever had into a movie. That's what higher learning feels like. Another one I loved, The Quick and the Dead. I watched that um, like later on on cable. I've seen it yeah. so many yeah. times. It's so great. Russell, uh, uh, incredible breakout from Russell Crowe. This is a huge year for Sharon Stone because she has this and she's really quite good in Quick and the Dead. I think there was like at the time, like weird, like, Sharon Stone sucks kind of vibes when she was trying to oh, do like just different like, things. You know, no one took her seriously. But she's great in the movie, and yeah. I re- that's another one I rewatched within like the last year. Uh, great Leo breakout performance and Gene Hackman. This is a major year for Gene, Gene Hackman. Hackman. And then like Crimson Tide. <laughs> just the Gene Hackman. No one has ever been as angry in anything as Gene Hackman, and uh, he's always just told, permanently aggrieved. And these are two great aggrieved Gene Hackman performances. I feel like, uh, mm-hmm. but Crimson Tide, I love. like that score blasting the Hans Zimmer score to this day great Denzel performance incredible supporting cast somehow not an Oscar none of these uh I'll give you another one Kiss of Death that was another David Caruso movie with Nick Cage a great Nick Cage like just eating the scenery performance Samuel Jackson another big performance from him off like in the same year Desperado did you like that one I've seen it well, not I've seen again. It so many times. Great movie. Antonio Banderas, just amazing fun. Robert Rodriguez, I would say, had never done anything better. <laughs> Desperado. Uh, and then a, a, a favorite of mine, just Empire Records. I love Empire Records. I watched that a lot as a teenager. So many times. Great. As, as many teenagers did. <laughs> just love it so much. Anthony, Anthony, Anthony LaPaglia, excuse me, giving off great Jake Johnson vibes. I think when I did, I, I forget which job I was at, but I did like a recast of Empire Records. I'm actually going to look it up right now. And I did have, uh, let me see. I'm looking for this because it's like so long. I did a, this is this is from 2013. About uh, nine years ago. For Rex Manning Day, which we said was April 8th, I believe. 
did a post <laughs> for Huffington Post where I used to work. And I recast, here was the casting I came up with at the time. Not, not, I, I don't know if this would hold up, but here we go. Shailene Woodley as Liv Tyler. Okay. Jennifer Lawrence. Um, I mean, Renee, I understand the choice then. Jennifer Lawrence is Renee Zellweger. They look exactly like. This is, this is a time capsule. <laughs> Aubrey Plaza as Robin Tunney, who played Deborah. Uh, I had Skylar Aston as Johnny Whitworth's character, AJ. Sure. This one is this one is really cursed. Ezra Miller as Lucas, who was played by Rory Cochran. Wow. Uh, and I had Adam Driver as Burko, who's Coyote Shivers. I feel like like Adam would do it. <laughs> Emery, this is 2013. Emery Cohen as Warren. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm gonna send this to you because the splits are really funny. Kieran Culkin as Eddie. <sighs> Kieran. And then Jake Johnson is Anthony Paglia. And I came up with Amanda Seton, who is on Gossip Girl as Jane. Your favorite show. Played by Debbie Mazar. I'm sending this. And then, oh, and then who was Rex Manning? <laughs> Alec Baldwin is Rex Manning. Wow. So like I said, not doesn't hold up all together. I'm Maybe we'll like link this in the description. I'm going to send this to you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Look at that. In, in, in the HuffPost, we used to have to do like incredibly clickbait headlines. This is what, I, and for, especially for posts that had no like, uh, no like peg no or anything. And, like, and so yeah. this was, would you see this remake with Jennifer Lawrence? Question mark. Would you? No. I don't know. No. Uh, but Empire Records, great movie. And then the last one I wrote down was Rumble in the Bronx, which I really liked. You would, you would like that. Yeah. It was great. That was like my first experience, like Jackie Chan, obviously, for like a lot of American audiences. I think that was. Or like, yeah, you know, for sure. For, and um, uh, great, great fun. Just so yeah. good. Um, I also have Mall Rats. Oh, love mall rats. Didn't mm-hmm. see that in the theater. Did see it a million times, including recently. Uh, again, another one I'm going to say holds up better than you think, but not really at all. It's fine. You know, a lot of things are problematic now, but like if you watch it in a vacuum, like it's, they're it's, still good movies. Yeah, it's funny. It's it's the problem with the movies is not actually uh, as a as an adult uh, in his, r- running towards middle age like Tom Cruise in Top Gun Maverick. Uh, it, it does not, it's just not Which as funny. <laughs> it's not, it's just not as funny. You know, it's not even that it's problematic. It's just like some of the jokes. I was just like, I would, I found this funny at, you know, 14, 15, 16, but not now, let's say. Mm-hmm. So um, there was also The American President, which was my friend's favorite. It, it is her favorite movie. And we were roommates um, our sophomore year in college. So we would like, a play things and like fall asleep so we would like like play like friends dvds and stuff and then like every now and then she would put on the american president so i would fall asleep to american president mm-hmm. but uh enjoy that movie aaron sorkin wrote it like pre-west wing it, it's very yeah. funny if you watch it now it is pre-west wing sorkin that is basically like a primer for west wing a lot of the right. characters are exactly yeah. the same you know like mm-hmm. michael j fox is playing like josh lyman basically yeah um i also wrote down it takes two with the olsen twins oh wow that one that so i was a little too old for those Olsen twins choice. wow so yeah so this came out like right after like full house like went off the air so um it, it came out in november <clears throat> and it was like my friend's birthday and like her birthday party basically was like we're gonna have lunch and we're gonna see it takes two but for some reason they didn't her like her mom didn't buy the tickets beforehand so they like drove us to the theater <laughs> and it was sold out because this is also like peak Olsen twins time. Yeah. You know? 
And so then we had to go to like a third theater. We drove around like looking for, cause you know, this is back in 95, like no internet, like no Fandango or anything. So we had to go to a third theater and finally get tickets for it takes two. Wow. Yeah. This is a lot of a, uh, why don't you just call them? Why don't you just tell me the name of the movie you're looking for? <laughs> Other ones I wrote down, uh, Nick of Time, which is a real time thriller starring Johnny Depp and Christopher Walken that I really liked. I never, I did not see it in theater, but I remember I definitely rented it and I love the gimmick. Another thing that I'd like not seen before, right? Like a lot of this year, I feel like is stuff that me as a, let's see, I'm going to figure out math. I'm doing math here, Joy. So hold on. We might need to take like a 20 minute break. Wow. Uh, 1995. You were, you were 17. So as right. a 17 year old, I had not seen going on. I was seven. six. I turned 17 in October. And so as a 16 year old turning 17, a lot of these things I had just not seen before, like a real time thriller was like new to me. You know what I mean? Now it's like, that's old hat. It feels like to do like a real time uh, thing An Ace Ventura sequel, which I remember being a little disappointed in actually, I know like recently, I think people have said like when nature calls is the superior movie, but I was a humongous Ace Ventura pet detective uh, fan. Another shocker. I'm sure you would know. I think I would prefer, I prefer the first one. Yeah. And I think the first one is, I mean, again, wow. I'm going to, I know it hasn't aged well, but at the time to quote the whole movie, thought it was so funny. And I remember nature calls being like, just not as funny to me, but I know people do really like it. Uh, we mentioned GoldenEye, great movie. Casino, Money Train, great movie. Go see Money Train. I remember that was like on uh, an SNL sketch as well. Go see Money Train. Great. Uh, Jennifer Lopez, Wesley Snipes, and Woody coming back together. JLo's nineties movies are great. Yep. Yeah. And that was a great that was a great one because like like going off of White Men Can't Jump, it was like oh Money Train. Yeah, this is great. I love these guys. Let's see what they do next uh um, Toy story you mentioned. I, have, I have now and then love now and then the Good second movie. christina ricci devin sawa film of the year after yep. casper right um uh i also enjoy tom and hawk jtt big oh, i've never seen that one oh, i'll wow. tell you which one i enjoyed uh uh hold on is this it no which one is this Oh, this is a different one, actually. Never mind. I was going to say, I thought it was something else. So we'll just say Bye Bye Birdie, I thought was something else. Uh, <laughs> Grumpier Old Men, Sudden Death, a uh, John claude Van Damme movie where they attempt to kill the vice president of the United States at a hockey game. Mm -hmm. That's really when you knew the Die Hard on a blank genre outside of Die Hard was, even with Die Hard, maybe was on the downslope when it's like, okay, John claude Van the Mad Libs, John claude Van Damme, vice president, not president, and hockey game. Okay, sure. That makes yeah. sense. Fun time, though. Uh, Waiting to Exhale is a big movie. Four Rooms, which is a terrible movie, uh, was a big deal at the time because it was uh, the four indie filmmakers of great renown coming together for like an omnibus movie. And they were Alison Anders, Alexander Rockwell, Robert Rodriguez, and Quentin Tarantino. I remember being very hyped for this, obviously, because it's like, Quentin off of Pulp Fiction and Robert Rodriguez, who earlier in the year had Desperado and was like Buzzy Miramax guy. Allison Anders, who I think did um, Grace of My Heart. Was that before this or after that? With um, Well, she had done Gas with Lodging. Grace of My Heart was 96. So she was, I guess, that was like at least aware of that movie coming with Ileana Douglas, which is actually a really good movie. And I didn't really know much about Alexander Rockwell. And I'm like looking him up on Wikipedia right now. And not not as notable, let's say, as the uh, the others. But wow, Four Rooms is bad. I watched it uh, within the last year, and it's like truly a, a bad movie. Wait, so you watched it then? 
I watched it then on VHS and I remember being like disappointed, but actually being like the Tarantino segment is cool. Right. Because like, I love Tarantino. Tarantino's is definitely like the most movie-ish of the movie ones, right? Like it's got him, it's got Bruce Willis, it's got Tim Roth. They're doing like a weird uh, Twilight Zone riff where a guy's got to cut his finger off or whatever. And Mm -hmm. it's not that good. And the Robert Rodriguez one, is like a prelude to Spy Kids actually, which is kind of fun. Because it's like about kids coming in. And the other ones, I think the Alison Anders one is about a coven of witches, which uh, Madonna is one of the witches. Uh, but a tough beat. But all yeah, the, I never all, saw that. I just remember like reading about it and I just never bothered. It's, it's, watch I, it. I watched it maybe like two years ago, like in the pan, during the early stage of the pandemic. And like it was streaming, I think. And I was like, this sucks. Uh, so apologies to, to Four Rooms fans out there. Uh, 12 Monkeys. Uh, came out which we'll talk about obviously Mr. Holland's Opus was a good weepy that I remember seeing a lot of these I mean just a great like an unbelievable year oh you know it's so funny the movie I was thinking of was Bye Bye Love and it is in here so that's funny Bye Bye Love another movie I really like great big divorce dad energy on that one literally because it's about all about divorce dads but a good ending song with the Beatles very charming performances from Matthew Modine Paul Reiser so the new season of Stranger Things Joyce uh, is a Bye bye love reunion, as it turns out. And so that's uh, why you love it. I guess so. And Randy yeah. Quaid, Rob Reiner, Janine Garofalo, Amy Brenneman, a huge year for her. She had this in heat. I mean, just a lot of like um, and heat. Casper. Right. Yes. <laughs> uh, other movies, people had huge years. Uh Kevin Spacey had three major movies here: Outbreak, uh, Seven, and The Usual Suspects. Mm-hmm. Whatever happened to that guy, Joyce? I guess we'll find out when we go through the categories. Yeah, he's been in the news recently as well. Um, I also, I watched this movie like years later, but I really loved it. Safe from uh, a a great Todd Haynes and Julianne Moore collab. Yep. Uh, Very intense. Yeah. But a great performance from Julianne and I would probably nominate her for Best Actress. Yeah. And that movie has a Joyce too, so. There's Another so one I remember watching a lot was uh, Miami Rhapsody, which is like a Woody Allen ripoff with Mia Farrow and like Sarah Jessica Parker, directed by David Frankel, who obviously did The Devil Wears Prada, and some episodes inventing Anna Joyce to bring it back to modern times. Last uh, two more we'll mention, then we could go through these, uh, or maybe one more I'll mention at least. Before Sunrise uh, came out this year as well. Love, love that movie. Love the before movies. Great. Ethan Hawke, Julie Delpy. Definitely did not see that in the theater, but definitely saw it on VHS. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, this is the only one of the trilogy that was not nominated for anything. Right. The other two were nominated. And I'll tell you what, when we do the categories, I'll have it in there because it should have been in there. Uh, so let's talk about this ceremony, Joyce. So again, uh, Monday, March 25th, 1996. Another Monday. was three hours and 39 minutes. And 44.8 million viewers watched down only about 4 million from the previous year, which I would say is actually pretty impressive because the previous year was Forrest Gump, which was one of the biggest movies of all time at the mm-hmm. time. And, and no one saw movies this year. And nobody saw movies this year. And none of these movies, none of the best picture nominees outside of Apollo 13 really did any box office. Nobody cared about these movies, but mm-hmm. still only 4 million people down. Uh, so I guess we could go, want to go through the ceremony, or the nominations. How do you want to go? Uh, maybe do the ceremony because that's okay. before the categories. So the arrivals, uh, obviously, there is they turned it into this huge like three minute orchestral opening. Yes. It's on YouTube. Uh, uh, the the red carpet is hosted by Oprah Joyce. 
Yes, yes. So we start right up. There was a, a lot of controversy. So they hired, so the previous year was obviously Letterman, Uma Oprah, and Gil Cates. Mm-hmm. Uh, he does not return and neither does Letterman. Yeah, Gil did, did not return because of the backlash to Dave. Yes. And so like, I'm out. So they have Quincy Jones come in to produce. He immediately wants Whoopi Goldberg to return to host. Mm-hmm. And uh, great, great stuff. During the nominations, things get nominated. It ends up, uh, there are, if, again, history repeating itself, obviously. And, and it's all, not really so, repeating. It's just the way it's always been. The way it's always been. <laughs> not, uh, I think there was. Oh, I think I have it bookmarked. Hold on. In Inside Oscar too. Um, there's only one Black nominee among, like, all of the nominees. Right. I was like, there's not one Black nominee as an acting nominee. And there are no, but one... just in all among like I think it was 166. Where did I? 166 yeah. nominees, and, and I just completely lost my place. Um, and yeah, only one of them. And uh, People Magazine of all places decides. Yes. Oh, here I found yeah. it. Yeah. Um, yeah. People said that it had concluded quote an exhaustive four month investigation end quote to reach the conclusion that quote a shocking level of minority exclusion remains, end quote. In addition to the fact that only one African-American had been nominated, Diane Houston, director of the live action short film nominee, Tuesday Morning Ride, only 3.9% of Academy members were black, 2.3% of the Directors Guild and 26 of the Writers Guild, so. So uh, Jesse Jackson came out and said, I'm boycotting the Oscars, basically. This is, and then- Yeah, so and the protests all around. Protested about all this. So Whoopi in her monologue comes out. Like I said, she says like, did you miss me? Which is a nice dig at Dave Letterman because he was such a flop, even though like we talked about last time we did this, not a flop, great ceremony, uh, really fun. He was very funny as host. And then she goes through, I thought her her monologue was really barbed and- funny i think you would now expect this monologue from like a bill burr type like Whoopi is like the you know like a a comedian who is speaking uh against like i'm, I'm doing this in air quotes woke culture because her her thing is uh i want to say something to all the people who sent me ribbons this year to wear Whoopi says you don't ask a black woman to buy an expensive dress and then cover it with ribbons and then she talks about all the ribbons that she got and this is this is the run of jokes I got a red ribbon for AIDS awareness, done. A purple ribbon for breast cancer, done. I have a yellow ribbon for the troops in Bosnia, done. I have a green ribbon to the free the Chinese dissidents, done. I got a milky white ribbon for mad cow disease, done. I have a rainbow ribbon for gay rights disease, done. I don't even know. I don't even I know. I was like, that. I don't know what that is. <laughs> done, done again. And then she jokes about Jesse Jackson. I had something I wanted to say to Jesse Jackson right here but he's not watching, so why bother? That's the joke. And then the crowd erupts in applause. Like they're vilifying Jesse Jackson for protesting the Oscars for being completely uh, racially imbalanced. It's just like, (laughs) what what a time. I can't even, and like, that was like a a good ding for her. Uh, And the other thing she said, this is the last one, Joyce, did you catch this one? There is somebody I wanted to give a ribbon to who I know is watching, Alec Baldwin, bravo baby. A huge round of applause because so, like the, the you, thing at the time was he had assaulted a paparazzi yes. as he and Kim Basinger brought their daughter Ireland home like, from the hospital after she gave birth. Yeah. 
So that was great. And so we cheered, uh, Whoopi got cheers for denigrating Jesse Jackson for protesting the Oscars and cheering Alec Baldwin for committing an, an alleged assault. Yeah, you know, that monologue would not fly today. <laughs> Probably not. Uh, the other, this one actually made me laugh again understand it's probably she had uh the actresses a lot of great roles for women sharon stone played a hooker in casino which not really but sure mira sorvino played a hooker in uh mighty aphrodite and elizabeth shu played a, a hooker in uh leaving las vegas all nominated for oscars and Whoopi says how many times did charlie sheen get to vote but i'm bum uh so that's how it starts. <laughs> we, I, I, I guess that's how her monologue starts. We usually go through Joyce the, uh, the, the red carpet stuff. Yeah, which... it started with like a three minute like orchestral score, and then like Oprah comes up, so she's hosting the red carpet. It's my favorite night of the year. It's actually really funny to see Oprah as like a Maria Menounos type. It just mm -hmm, felt like yeah. weird watching it, right? Because it's like Oprah's Oprah. Mm -hmm. uh, um. She has this great exchange with Nicole Kidman. Oh, wow. That was so uncomfortable. It was. So, like, Tom Cruise is like, let's get a move on. We got to get down the carpet, like, get to our seats. And Oprah's just trying to talk to Nicole. And then she's just like, you're presenting tonight, right? And Nicole says, yes, I'm presenting Babe. Like, Best Picture nominee, Babe. And Oprah goes, how do you feel about that pig? Nicole says, I love that pig. Amazing. And Tom is just sitting there chuckling away. Yeah. Uh, just like, let's go. Got, this this go. made me laugh. This is how, this is literally the first two things I heard watching that Oscars clip. Again, it's on YouTube. Oprah says, it's my favorite night of the year. And then the announcer goes, there's the star of Under Siege and action director, Steven Seagal. Steven Seagal back. <laughs> unbelievable. First of all, he's the first, that's the first star. That's what they lead off with at the Oscars after Oprah at the red carpet. I, I identifying him as an action director. Joyce, I looked it up. It's on Deadly Ground, 1994 movie. Uh, two years after this is the Oscars is two years after that movie came out. It's the only movie Steven Seagal has ever directed, but he's an action director according to the Oscars. Do they write their own? Do the, do the does the talent write its own IDs? I guess would be a question. Um, I think. Steven Seagal like had an in somehow with the Oscars like in this time period because uh last time we did this a month ago I guess now um for the previous year ceremony he presented best visual effects right right and, so he's back again and he's here to present I think sound in this one yes he does sound uh, so I think he just had an in at the Oscars then <laughs> pretty wild uh, other ones I wrote down Joyce I think you were texting me some too smiling Ed Harris yeah, Smiling at Harris, nominated for Best Supporting Actor in Apollo 13. Um, there, oh, one of my faves. From the Bridges of Madison County, Oscar nominee Meryl Streep, period. Pause. She's along with her son. Great. This one I love. We talked about this because they're always about looks. Stunning actress, Sharon Stone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the woman. The always about woman. looks. Here's, looks yeah. here's what I got. Here's what I wrote down over in Tom and Nicole. I think she leads off with, to die for that's what you look like tonight to yes yeah mm -hmm. uh and then and again tom is just trying to pull her away <laughs> it's interesting because a lot of the so we've watched these a lot and like the intros are just the announcer and they're cut into pictures so oprah was like interspersed with these things and like doing interviews so she's talking to diane weist about like giving up her throne at the oscars 
Mm-hmm. She's got an interview with Emma Thompson asking about which Oscar she wants more. And Emma Thompson's like, I want both, which is awesome. Uh, yeah, this, this is fun. Uh, any other ones you wrote down? I, 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 those are the ones I, I noted. Um, well, they end on like Susan Sarandon, but they mistakenly called him Robbins her husband. They were never married. Right. Yeah. Tough, uh, tough beat, but yeah. I, when I was watching her speech, I was like, I'm sad they broke up. I don't know. I, I even in real I was life. Sad when, when they broke up, I guess it's like, 13 years now it's so long ago now but i'm like in my mind they're always together and they should always be together they were a really good couple <laughs> uh other uh so i mentioned oprah the controversy around the ceremony a couple other jokes again a lot of not, I, I just feel like i know it's wrong but i just feel like every year we're doing these it's like another election how many times were people running for how many times was clinton running for president during these oscars it was well, like this every is march 96 so. so like this is it uh, she calls Pat Buchanan the original boy in the hood. It's a good, good joke. Uh, she goes, a big year for pigs, babe, and showgirls. And then follows it up with, I haven't seen that many poles mistreated since World War II. Whoopee. Yeah. Nice. Uh, so that was her opening. And then we go into the, the, the show itself, Joyce. Uh, Braveheart led the way with 10 nominations which based on reading Inside Oscar uh, was a shock because I don't think anybody liked Braveheart. I guess I have in my mind that people did like it, that it maybe was a hit and that people somewhat liked it, but critics were really mixed on it. The audiences did not care. It was re-released twice before the Oscars. I know, and no one, no one went no out. One went. <laughs> Didn't even crack 100 million. Uh, it was uh, a movie that was problematic before we knew what the term problematic was used. And not even like before Mel. Uh, well, it evolves Mel, but not before like, Mel, but not before it's before Mel's, uh, obviously it's like self immolation, <laughs> like, but a lot of the movie, it, first of all, the movie, it's funny reading inside Oscar too. It's like all of the stuff that a lot of every issue that has arisen with Mel Gibson, uh, in the last 25 years starts like here. It's like the movie is incredibly gratuitously violent to a point of just difficulty, which I think a lot of his movies after this like passion of the christ and apocalypto i would say are just over the top as violent and then mel himself on the press tour just incredibly uh just saying incredibly problematic things about uh the, the gay yeah, community so i i was everything. never like a big like braveheart i've only seen it once like me all too i don't re- I really have not not like, that into it yeah i'm not into it and i know everyone like quotes the speech you know all the time but like, sure. i don't care whatever um and yeah i don't really care for it um but yeah, his, his press tour for this, cause there's a very problematic portrayal of a, a gay character, mm-hmm. like effeminate gay, and then toss out the window. <laughs> yeah, it's like really and bad. So and like, he, he went off about it in the press. He, he went on the offensive, even though he was being criticized. Yeah, so he was being criticized by like Glad and everyone. Um, so then, yeah, in Inside Oscar 2, it says, uh, in his interview with Bruni, Gibson railed against those individuals who, because they urged civility and respect toward other peoples and cultures, were given the pejorative, quote, politically correct, end quote, by conservatives. To the Braveheart director, they were, quote, tantamount to Nazis. What? Are they trying to tell us what to say and think? Fuck them, end quote. Yikes. Yeah. And so who could have saying, seen who could have You seen didn't this? finish the chapter. No, I didn't finish the chapter, Joyce. So Braveheart won Best Picture, obviously. Spoiler alert, it wins Best Picture and Best Director. Won yeah. five Oscars. 
Yeah, so then this is literally how the chapter ends in Inside Oscar. Um, so he's filming, Mel Gibson goes on to film Conspiracy Theory and like uh, Joel Silver produced it and they uh, met with nine gay and lesbian filmmakers in a seminar organized by GLAAD. So, uh, and then to, to part, the, the participants thought it was important that Gibson in the words of filmmaker Ted Sott quote, see that there's a human face attached to those pejorative statements, end quote. And then, oh, so uh, Chaz Bono, who was GLAD's entertainment media director, said they, the participant, quote, felt we had made a connection with Gibson and were comforted by the notion that the next time he's in the position of representing a gay or lesbian image, he will remember our day together, end quote. And then last graph. But as the advocate put it, quote, the olive branch that most of the participants expected Gibson to extend didn't materialize, end quote. Gibson's camp didn't see a need for a peace offering anyway. His publicist said, quote, Mel Gibson does not have a problem with anyone who was gay. If members of the gay community have a problem with him, that's for them to work out, end quote. And the flag also advised that not too much should be read into Gibson's meeting, quote, Mel is passionate about filmmaking. He's spoken to Harvard about filmmaking. He's spoken to the University of Southern California about filmmaking. Why shouldn't he speak to a group of gay filmmakers, end quote. And that's the chapter. Wow. Uh, so Braveheart. Yeah. I, 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 so uh, <laughs> so that's, uh, that's the tone of this Oscars, basically. Uh, Braveheart 10, Apollo 13 had nine nominations. Other nominees were Babe and Sense and Sensibility with seven apiece. Il Postino, The Postman, a Miramax stuff it down your throat. Uh, Harvey movie. added again. Harvey added again with five. Dead Man Walking, Leaving Las Vegas, Nixon and Toy Story with four. Batman Forever, Crimson Tide with three. Twelve Monkeys, A Little Princess, Mighty Aphrodite, Pocahontas, Restoration, Richard III, Sabrina, and The Usual Suspects with two. And then the wins went to Braveheart, five. Paul 13, Pocahontas, Restoration, and Usual Suspects, each one two as well. Usual Suspects went two for two. And so did Restoration. Mm-hmm. Pretty wild. Yeah. Uh, so hang on, let me see here. I mean, so let's start. Do you want to, we could go through the ceremony itself or do you want to do best picture? I have some ceremony thoughts, but we could just usually start, we could just start with best picture and go down, I guess. So the best picture nominees were, boy, just Braveheart, Apollo 13, Il Postino, Sense and Sensibility and Babe. I mean, I, most of these, I generally like, like, I like Babe. Um, I love Sense and Sensibility. So I Sense and Sensibility, I think, was like the favorite, right? It seemed like for a lot of the season, people expected it to really. I, it, well, it was Apollo 13 because it, it won like a bunch of stuff. Right. Um, and, you know, including um, the first Screen Actors Guild Award for um ensemble and you know until uh shape of water uh it was the only sag ensemble winner to not win best picture at the oscars right um and yeah so sense sensibility won the drama globe and um oh it it was this was also the first year of the critics choice awards Mm -hmm. very different critics Choice back then uh they gave it to sense and sensibility and yeah, Paul 13 won PGA, DGA, and SAG. Um, but I think, like, I don't think you can talk about Best Picture without talking about Best Director. Yes. Because the nominees were Mel Gibson for Braveheart, who won, Chris Noonan for Babe, 
Tim Robbins, Dead Man Walking, Mike Vegas, Leaving Las Vegas, <clears throat> excuse me, and Michael Radford for Il Postino. So there's two directing nominees whose films are not nominated for Best Picture and two Best Picture nominees whose uh, directors are not nominated. <laughs> right. And it's strange because like, okay, so I think Ron Howard should have gotten nominated for Apollo 13, hot take. Yes. And I think that Ang Lee should have gotten nominated for Sense and Sensibility. Yes, exactly. And I love Sense and Sensibility. And I thought that was such a great adaptation, everything from Ang Lee's direction to Emma Thompson's screenplay and the performances by Emma and Kate Winslet, like just so good. Um, and then like in, if you read like Inside Oscar too, like Jesse Jackson, part of his like process is like, you know, Ang Lee, like right. he wasn't nominated. Right. Like, and then, and, then and it's like, funny because- like, majority uh majority white so and it's funny to me too because like angley later wins directing oscars not picture obviously right but it's just like here yeah. he could have really easily won best director i don't know like i don't understand how i wasn't nominated and then the other thing that's funny is the two other best director nominees here i would have actually definitely put their pictures in best picture tim robbins yeah. for dead man walking and mike Vegas for leaving las vegas those yeah. should have been best picture nominees so basically if i was redoing this if we we're doing five and five and it had to be like this kind of mix i would say tim robbins Mike Figgis, Ang Lee, Ron Howard, and then Chris Noonan for Babe, no Mel Gibson, who wins, and no Michael Radford for Il Postino. And then for Best Picture, I would say Apollo 13, Babe, Sense Sensibility, Leaving Las Vegas, and Dead Man Walking, also no Braveheart for Best Picture. Yeah, it's it's still <laughs> like so wild that Braveheart won, especially in context when you realize like no one actually loved it. That's the thing. I don't, I actually, maybe you, cause then, you finished the book. You finished yeah, the so chapter. Did you get so you to the chapter of like the reactions? Yes. How did it win? I don't even understand. Nobody even liked I, it. So there's this, um, so there's like the aftermath chapter or section. And then, uh, so it's uh, Mike Litwin of the Baltimore Sun said simply quote, if you're not surprised that Braveheart is now and forever the official very best flick of 1995, it can only mean one thing. You haven't seen the movie end quote I don't believe that <laughs> it's like you know they they released it three times in the theaters no one cared to see it like it felt like um like there was like a general sense of apathy towards it but I guess like maybe it benefited from the fact that there was a lack of passion for these other nominees even though it, it like they became a hit because of word of mouth like people really love that movie but maybe they think like a talking pig is too slight to yeah, best I, I don't know and it's like a g-rated film right. i think it's the last g-rated film to be nominated for right. best picture um yeah and then I, like yeah uh, and then like apollo 13 and ability i i think like apollo 13 was expected to and like i remember reading that in like newspapers and like all the predictions stories um and like sense and sensibility obviously won the globe and it's like a period piece so i don't know i mean i like maybe like they felt they were like those were like too safe and like they don't actually love those movies either i mean that's uh, what i was going to say i think that if you look at the way the nominations shook out apollo 13 was not a loved movie it had nine nominations but it did not get tom hanks for best actor which is a yeah. surprise it did not get ron howard for best director and it i think that shows that Ron Howard wasn't taken seriously as a time as a director. He kind of had like the like baby Spielberg vibes off of him where it was like, oh, we don't really take like kind of color purplish time Spielberg where it's like, we're not going to nominate him because it's Steven Spielberg basically, right? Like he doesn't, he's a blockbuster guy, not a movie guy. Well, also in um, Inside Oscar, they, like one of the theories, it's, it's because of 
the fact that uh, he is uh, formerly known as Opie. Right. So, you know. A child uh, star. Yeah. Yeah. The Andy Griffith show. And yeah. the other thing I think is there was fatigue on Hanks, even though the movie was a hit and he's the biggest star in the world. Like I, he, he won two Oscars in a row. It's just, is like, go away, Tom Hanks. You know what I mean? Like, it's like a very good performance, but people are just kind of over it. And I think that hurt uh, Apollo 13 and Sense Sensibility for whatever reason, maybe was too British or something, you know? Yeah. Or maybe it's just like, it's like about women. Also that, which we've learned they don't like. <laughs> yeah, and they're not hookers. Right. So, so that's a um, tough beat. But- yeah, but it's it's interesting because like, you know, even with like that Opie theory for Ron Howard, like he was an actor. Mel Gibson is also an actor, but I guess it's different because he was like a huge star and like he was still acting. So Mel Gibson was a star and actually really liked. You know, that's the other yeah, thing like is at like this time. <laughs> at this time, not just by the public, but I mean like Hollywood, like Jodie Foster's really rock. Like people love Mel Gibson. Like he is very, he had that like a- you know, I think now it's not obviously has real, like a very different, a, a charm and an energy that people like, you know what I mean? Like he felt like a real genuine article, I guess at the time. And that was part of it too. Uh, the other movies I wrote down, so Joyce, if I would, if we were doing 10, I guess, as we usually do here, Dead Man Walking, Leaving Las Vegas, absolutely in to me mm-hmm. with, if we keep these five, even though I would say Braveheart doesn't, doesn't need to be in here. Braveheart, Apollo 13, Babe, Il Postino and Sense Sensibility. Then I would throw Dead Man Walking and Leaving Las Vegas. That's six and yeah. seven. Then I would say, based on the nominations slash my preferences, I would say Toy Story should probably have been in here. Toy Story should definitely be in there. Even though it's animated, obviously, I think that would have been in there if there were 10. So now we're at six, seven, eight. The ninth one I would say is maybe Usual Suspects, though it only got two nominations. It won both. I think there was an affinity for the movie itself. And it would have been like a CODA situation where it just gets three nominations. That's about it. And it wouldn't win. It wouldn't win, no. <laughs> and then the other one I wrote down was waiting, uh, wait, uh, Bridges of Madison County, actually, and Waiting to Excel. But Bridges of Madison County, I think, would have probably gotten into. Um, I actually, I kind of like Bridges of Madison County, even though I don't think you would ever think of Meryl Streep and Clint Eastwood as like a romantic couple. <laughs> So it's a huge book. I remember being incredibly popular. Obviously, I think it sold like 6 million copies or something. It was when people read books and uh, it was a big deal. And the movie was the type of movie that usually would just be like, this is bad, but I think it was actually pretty good and people did like it. So that's my additional, my 10 would have been the five we got, Dead Man Walking, Leaving Las Vegas, Usual Suspects, Bridge of Madison County, and Toy Story. Yeah, I don't know what I would put for the fifth one. Um, like maybe casino but i don't even know if like they didn't care about so i left if it was my personal preference casino heat and get shorty and seven would all be nominated i mean those are all-time movies by some of the greatest filmmakers of the last like 30 40 like they only nominated sharon right it's a weird it like he doesn't did he get any nominations um no no No. so like that's absolutely bananas right like heat is like not just one of the most influential movies of like the last, you know, 25, 30 years, but is also an amazing movie, uh, no nomination. So like, I would throw Heat in here for sure. And Casino, I think is like, it says in the, in the Inside Oscar, it was a letdown in terms of a lot of people was like Goodfellas 2. Like that was another David Spade joke, mm-hmm. Casino it when it was called Goodfellas. Uh, 
and it's incredibly violent, but it does have a, it's a, it's a fun Scorsese movie to me because it, based on where it is in his filmography, it definitely like prelude uh, is a prelude to the stuff and the style and the tone that he did has done much more in like the Irishman. I mean, uh, excuse me, in uh, Wolf of Wall Street and Departed where it's like a lot of noise and a lot of like the way the music is cut, just very jarring cuts and stuff with his soundtrack choices. Um, but I really like Casino. I think it's a great movie. And then the other ones I wrote down that maybe would be in here would be like Nixon. I was not a big fan. I don't fan think of like any, like did people actually like Nixon? I don't know. Well, I don't know. Again, another like off JFK. Another like, yeah, controversial Oliver Stone. Great quote from Oliver Stone. I'm going to read it to you. I sent it to you last night uh, with regard to Apollo 13. Then there was the director Oliver Stone who lambasted the film as quote, an homage to bullshit patriotism. The fucking critics, they all loved it. I can't make movies anymore, I guess. Could have saved that quote. You could have saved that quote for after Snowden, maybe. (laughs) Then he can't make movies anymore. I think that was his last one. Uh, yeah, so I mean, like we said, if if you were giving an Oscar here for Best Picture, you would say Sense Sensibility if, of of the five nominees, or would you go Babe? <laughs> I would, I would probably give it to Sense and Sensibility. Um, I think I would too. I I'm like I'm not like maybe I'm just like an Oscar voter back then. Like I don't really like care about any of these that much. Like I don't even know how I'd rank them. I would rank Braveheart last. I would rank Braveheart last and I might put Apollo 13 first. Yeah, like Apollo 13 is a, is a great movie. Um, it's just like not one of my favorites. And like, I, I think I've only seen it once as well. <laughs> like I right. I don't revisit it, um, but it was a great movie. Um, here's, here's the thing. Do you think if Ron Howard had not been snubbed in directing, would Apollo 13 have won? Because this was also back when there was a lot strong uh, linkage between those two categories. You know, now we have splits all the time. Right. Uh, I think that they didn't like, I don't think he would, I don't think it would have won because they just didn't respect the movie. I think they were like, they just, the, the, even though it had nine nominations, it was not a movie that the Academy liked for whatever reason. I think, yeah, I don't think like, like he would have, we would have won either. I don't think it would have been a split either, no. like either direction. Like I, I also think like Braveheart is more in the vein of those like epics that they awarded back then. So I think that's why it won is it's an epic. It has broad, even though it had no acting nominees as well, Mm -hmm. it had broad crafts appeal. It won, uh, it won sound effects, editing, it won cinematography, it won makeup, was nominated for costumes. It was nominated for editing you know, it had like a lot of, a lot going for it. And I think that's what boosted it to victory is that the actors this year, especially with the winners we got, none of those movies were best picture nominees, Yeah, the acting winners. So there was no like support from the actors for any of these movies really. And so the crafts kind of lifted Braveheart and the Braveheart crafts were more impressive because of the period epicness than the Apollo 13 which was more of an effects movie. I think that's basically And it couldn't even happened. win visual effects. It, it was only two nominees. Right, Babe year, won. And it, yeah, lost to Babe. Will Smith gave that one out choice, wearing a suit that is four times too big for himself. It was like in the vein of the Seinfeld like puffy shirt. Yeah. But it was a blazer. 
so we did picture here director, like we said, Ron, uh, Ron Howard Angley should have been nominated. I think if I was doing this again, if it was my personal five, I would probably say uh, Angley, Michael Mann, David Fincher. <laughs> uh, those three for sure. Uh, and then probably Tim Robbins and Mike Figgis, though I would also argue the other names I wrote down were Brian Singer for Usual Suspects, obviously cursed now, but like great movie. We were talking about this, I think, on Slack. It, it incredibly holds up. It is, it is a really good movie. <laughs> I just love it. Uh, um, yeah, I love Usual Suspects. Um, I I would probably like. I think Il Pacino is a good movie. Um, it I watched that like years later. Um, like I found like a stream or not a stream, but just like I found it online somehow. Um, but I would not have nominated Michael Radford. But I, that was just kind of like the Harvey Miramax machine. Right, because the, the lead actor, uh, Massimo Troisi, Troisi uh, died, mm-hmm. obviously. The movie came out a year before in Italy. And then yeah. it was, uh, so it came out now, two years, this Oscars is like two years after it came out and uh, the actor had died. So it was a posthumous nomination. There was a lot of embrace of the movie and warmth of the movie. It definitely is in that Miramax, 90s Miramax, like full Monty type, like crowd pleasing indie from a, a foreign language or international feature. Life, it's a prelude to Life is Beautiful like all those things. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And like, I'm all for, you know, non-English language films being not yes. for best picture, but yeah. I don't know if I would have, like, I'm fine with it being there, but I don't know if I would have nominated myself. And yeah, obviously he had like the narrative of like, this was a passion project for him and he needed a uh, surgery, heart surgery, or I think it's a heart transplant. A ter- right? Yeah, he did. The actor uh, needed a heart transplant. And then yeah. And then he was like, no, I'm going to finish the movie and then get it. And then he died right after wrapping. Right. Pretty, so, pretty sad. Yeah, so uh, other, one of the few posthumous acting nominations. Yeah. Uh, other directors I wrote down, none of these had any chance, but I would say all four of these are worth talking about to me. Spike Lee, Clockers. Clockers is a great movie, like an awesome Spike Lee movie. Uh, really holds up. I watched it again like two years ago, I guess, when The Five Bloods was uh, in, in the awards race. I wanted to watch it. Great movie. Uh, Catherine Bigelow for Strange Days we talked about. I just love that movie. I think that's actually better than Point Break, which is like her breakout movie. Uh, I think it's just really good. Barry Sonnenfeld for Get Shorty. Well, Get Shorty is great. I don't understand why they rejected it. I guess it's because it's a comedy and it's also like pretty vicious about Hollywood. It's a pretty good Hollywood satire that holds up incredibly well. And yeah, I'd really imagine- fun. Yeah, like no John Travolta either. And I'd imagine that the fact that it's so mean-spirited about people in Hollywood with the depths of their cravenness and vanity and- uh, narcissism probably was not like the the tone a lot of voters maybe were looking for. They're um, a very sensitive group, Hollywood. And then Forrest Whitaker for Waiting to Exhale. Uh, again, we talked about Jesse Jackson uh, boycotting this, but for uh, Waiting to Exhale was like a big deal. And, uh, you know, I think it's a really good movie. I don't think Forrest Whitaker would have gotten nominated, but I think he should have been in the conversation at the very least. Mm, yeah. Um, I mean, this five is like half okay <laughs> yeah like we said i mean like i think it's okay i wouldn't have nominated chris noonan for babe but i understand why he got nominated um mm-hmm. but you know whatever uh should we go to the acting awards joyce acting um best actor so best actor nicholas cage wins for leaving las vegas this is nicholas cage in his premium era 
because we've got uh, The Rock coming months yes. after this. And he looks resplendent with his hair. And he's with P- Patty Arquette, who's his wife. Just a great time to be Nicolas Cage. And his speech, he swept, of all the winners, I would say he is probably the one that was most obvious going into the ceremony. He swept through yeah. seemingly everything. He won at the Globes, won at the uh, SAG Awards. Uh, he was just like, he won critics prizes. Really a consensus winner for an actor that was like, people really like and like is on the rise, right? Like Nick Cage has always been like a weird indie kind of like mainstream indie guy splitting around. And then this is like his- You know, it's it's funny win. because now like he doesn't have that persona. No. Like I, lo- I love Nick Cage, right. but like some of my friends like have no idea he's an Oscar winner. Right. And like I told them, I was like, no, he went for Leaving Las Vegas. Now Leaving Las Vegas, not a, not a rewatchable movie, Joyce. I think I've seen it once. But um, I, I liked it and no, I have not rewatched it. Maybe I've only seen it once as well. It's just um, a dark, it's very dark. And depressing. It's very Maybe dark. Um, yeah, very good. And uh, Nick in his speech gives a shout out to John O'Brien who died uh, via gunshot uh, like weeks after he sold the rights. Uh, this is his like semi-autobiographical right. uh, novel. So yeah, he sold the rights uh, to make the film and sadly committed suicide yeah. weeks later, so. Uh, other nominees here, Richard Dreyfuss from Mr. Holland's Opus, a very weepy kind of mainstream movie uh, where Richard Dreyfuss is like- You know, maybe that would have been like the 10th nominee. <laughs> it could have been. It didn't really do any other nominations though, I don't think, or not a lot, but a very no, fine movie. I think I got a couple more at the Globes. Yeah. Maybe. Uh, yeah. Totally fine movie. And Richard Dreyfuss like making good on like, uh, uh, his previous, you know, Oscar. Goodbye, girl. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Anthony Hopkins as Nixon. Sure. I mean, like, not a big fan of the movie. Like, Tony, always great. But he's always yeah. great. Sean Penn for Dead Man Walking, which this is like, why did Sean Penn win for Mystic River? Uh, this is probably why, because this is an easy win. I think it's great that Nicolas Cage won. I still would pick Nicolas Cage, but like, any other year, I think Sean Penn wins. And then he doesn't win for mystic river probably bill murray does i would argue but uh and then massimo uh troisi for the postman the posthumous oscar nomination the other people i wrote down joyce no kidding tom hanks for apollo 13 not nominated uh we talked about robert de niro and al pacino for heat i would probably pick pacino over de niro it is an incredible pacino performance he is turned all the way up uh, I love it so much. Just a fabulous performance. Morgan Freeman and Brad Pitt for Seven, though I would want to ask you, what do you think, would Brad Pitt be supporting in Seven? Well, he was already nominated right. this for, year in for 12, for 12 Monkeys. So I guess they they were not, you know, it wasn't a, a cottage industry as it is now with campaigning. So I don't know if they would have been as savvy. Like, they, would they have cared if he was like a double contender for supporting back then? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but Morgan Freeman, I think, could have gotten nominated here easily for Best Actor. He's so good in Seven. It's a great performance. Yeah. I would say, and then the other one I wrote down was obviously John Travolta and Get Shorty. I still don't understand how he didn't get nominated. Like, it's off Pulp Fiction. It's arguably a better performance, I would say, as blasphemous mm-hmm. as that might seem, but it's like Pulp Fiction, like we said, he was not frauded, but it's not necessarily a lead performance in the traditional sense. He's like, he's lead because he's kind of in the other sections he's very good but get shorty man he is full movie star it is like the john travolta it cements the john travolta comeback 
He's so fun. And he was a major contender and it was like a big snub. Like I said, I get, they just did not like Get Shorty, but it's, I mean, that was like a great movie. It still holds up. It's very fun. So I would have put Travolta. I would have put, I probably would have put Travolta, Pacino and Hanks in and kept Cage and Pam if I was doing this. Yeah, I would nominate Travolta. Like, he also won the Globe um, in comedies. So, right. yeah, I think they they just like didn't care about a lot of movies this year. <laughs> no, it's so strange. <laughs> um, uh, I would also do um, Ian McKellen for Richard III. Mm-hmm. That was a big, big deal. Big deal yeah. movie. So that would be my only um, addition there. Um, I probably would not nominate uh Richard or Massimo even though like I really do enjoy his performance in there um, yeah but so while the uh best actor maybe we can make some fixes Joyce the best actress race here I love this is like almost no notes I think it's like a really great list so Susan Sarandon wins for Dead Man Walking uh another kind of pretty much expected based on the nominees I mean Nicole committed one at the Globes along with Sharon Stone but Susan was kind of like probably the pickier. The other nominees were Elizabeth Shue for Leaving Las Vegas. Great, like, I'm a serious actor nomination, right? Because she was more known for, like, uh, Adventures in Babysitting, Karate Kid, obviously, and these, like, kind of light 80s comedies and, like, kind of here's an adult role for her. Sharon Stone in Casino, absolutely throwing 100 miles an hour. It's an incredibly good performance. I love her so much in this movie. I love Sharon Stone. It's a totally different flavor for Sharon Stone. She's completely... The thing I love about Sharon Stone and from Basic Instinct and like even like Total Recall and Quick and the Dead is she's always like very cool in the idea that you think she's got every angle figured out, right? Like mm-hmm. she's very good at that kind of like projecting that because it seems like that's what she's like in real life at least. Well, also she presents uh, both score categories. Yes. In the ceremony, this is the first year when they split score yes. into drama and comedy because, uh, uh, you know, as to quote myself, Hollywood was pressed about Disney dominating the score yes. category. Yes. So they split them and then they give out one. And then it was like her, was it her and Quincy? Yes. Yeah. And she, they didn't have the envelope for the second one. So then he goes and gets it. And then she's just like vamping at the podium. And it was great in her gap turtleneck, iconic black gap turtleneck sweater. It's amazing. And then uh, in Casino, she's completely like just unmoored. And I love her so much. Meryl Streep for Bridges Madison County. Sure. I think it's a good Meryl performance, like doing an accent kind of whole thing. And then Emma Thompson for Sense and Sensibility. Watching that Emma Thompson who wins for screenplay, she doesn't win here. I was reminded of like Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Is Emma Thompson like the the prequel to, is, 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 is she the prequel version of Phoebe Waller-Bridge? Well, her movie didn't win Best Picture. No. No, but like the night the the 90s were a great time for Emma Thompson professionally. Yeah. So professionally. Yeah. Yeah, professionally. Uh, so the so I love that list of nominees. I think Susan Sarandon is great. This we talked about this, I think, the year before, maybe she yeah, had been getting a lot lost, of she lost to Jessica last right. year. And we were getting a lot of nominations for her. This was like a great time for her, right? She was nominated for the client and all these different things. So it was it felt like we we're waiting for Susan Sarandon to get an Oscar, and then she got one. Um and that's it's a great, you know as uh, a makeup Oscar, I guess, you know, someone who's like overdue, like this is a, a great performance and film to win for. Like, that's not always the case. Correct. It's a real, you know? it's a real movie, real performance. She's really good in it. She goes toe to toe with Sean Penn. 
Uh, it's great stuff. Um, Again, and she another, hasn't been nominated since. No. And another movie that's incredibly tough, a tough beat, right? Like Leaving Las Vegas style. Uh, the actors I wrote down, actors I wrote down, though, like I said, it would be tough to crack this five. I guess I would say if I was going to knock someone out, it would probably be Meryl to me, because I think yeah. Elizabeth Shue and Sharon Stone are really good. Um, obviously, Nicole Kimmon for To Die For. Love the movie, love the performance. Okay. She's so good in it. Uh, it was a serious contender, right? She won at the Golden Globes and the Critics' Choice Awards, uh, but not nominated. So definitely a little bit of a snub there, I feel like. Uh, and then the other ones I wrote down, none of these would have any shot, but just to say them, uh, Alicia Silverstone and Clueless, great performance, a pre-sage pre, uh, pre of uh, Cameron Diaz and There's Something About Mary to me, where it's like a comedy performance should be taken seriously, and uh, she was great in it. Uh, Sandra Bullock for While You're Sleeping, similarly, Joyce, I would say, goes in that. Uh, and Angela Bassett for Waiting to Exhale, and Julie Delby for Before Sunrise, those are the other two I wrote down. But like I said, the list is a good, this is a good category. Yeah, um, it's a good category. I would definitely replace Meryl, who does not need uh, a throwaway nomination. Correct. Um, with Nicole. Um, love that movie. Um, you know, you're not anybody in America unless you're on TV. Really great. Another movie that was like very prescient of the world. Uh, yeah. Um, and then, like I said before, I would nominate Julianne Moore. Um, I good don't pick. know who I would bump for that. I guess maybe I would just bump Emma since she's going to win in screenplay. <laughs> Right. But she is uh, really great in Sense and Symbolism. She is. So. Uh, supporting actor, Joyce. So Cursed Win, Kevin Spacey wins for Usual Suspects. So I will say, at the time, I loved it so much. Love the performance. It's absolutely great. And if we it's a can, great performance. If we could still separate the art from the artist, it still is a great performance. He's really good in the movie. Um, and his speech is, again, rough. He's like, calls Brian Singer Kaiser Soze. With all we know now, it's just his like, I can, oof, boy. Uh, other nominees were James Cromwell for Babe, Ed Harris for Apollo 13, Brad Pitt for 12 Monkeys, and Tim Roth for Rob Roy. The only thing I remember about Rob Roy is that it came out before Braveheart, and Tim Roth mm -hmm. dies by getting cut in half from his shoulder down to here. And they show him like kind of like leaning over like this. It's like graphic, graphic. That's why he was death. nominated. <laughs> and that might be why he's, I think he was nominated because again, this is like Tim Roth ascendancy, right? So he did Reservoir Dogs was great. Pulp Fiction, he's really good, but not going to get nominated. And then here is Rob Roy. People liked he's playing the villain here. It's like a big like villain performance. But I think you were thinking of him as like, oh, we like this guy in these other movies. Let's nominate him now because we have the chance. Um, I, I don't know about the Brad Pitt and 12 Monkeys performance. It feels like a big stunt to me. Uh, yeah, it's not one of my faves. No. And it was nominated, I think, because it was like they, Brad Pitt goes serious. And again, he had a huge year because he had seven as well. Uh, the people I wrote down here as alternates were, and I would have picked Kevin Spacey here. I don't think you could take the, the he would still win in this category. God bless James Cromwell, but um, I don't know. The other people I wrote down were Don Cheadle for Devil in a Blue Dress, star making performance, was a real contender and okay. then snubbed. So I feel like he should have gotten in. Uh, the other people I got down were Val Kilmer for Heat, good performance. Gene Hackman for Get Shorty or Crimson Tide, I would take either one. I think Gene was great. This is a great year for Gene. Kevin Spacey for seven. And then uh, the other one I wrote down was Chris Farley for Tommy Boy. Well, you would have to choose between Spacey for seven or Usual Suspects. Right. So I would still take Usual Suspects, but I think he's quite good in seven. Yeah, I would choose Usual Suspects as well. 
Um, I would definitely nominate Don Cheadle. That really was, good. Uh, I think he was nominated at SAG, and I think he won LA for he that. Did. But just like just scene ceiling performance. Um, yeah, Gene Hackman. Let's just nominate Gene Hackman for everything. Like, I mean, I would say, <laughs> I would, I would say, like, if I was doing nominations, Pitt and Roth probably get dumped for Cheadle and Hackman. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not married to Brad Pitt getting nominated for Twelve Monkeys. No, I I don't watch that movie or like rewatch that movie either. And I would say if you category frauded him in here for seven, I would prefer that. He's great in seven, obviously. Mm-hmm. It's like an iconic Brad Pitt performance, I think. So, but I are, I think it's probably a lead. So I wouldn't nominate him for this. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then James Cromwell for great, a... good performance. Mm-hmm. Uh, any other notes on this one, Joyce? No, I, I was like having trouble coming up with like other people I would nominate. <laughs> because I like I, I like most of these and I like I don't really have a problem with Brad being in here it's just like sure I don't have a problem with any of these really yeah. but like I just think there are, I would have liked if there's a tighter list I think you could have come up with. Uh, for supporting actress Mira Sorvino wins for Mighty Aphrodite Joyce you'd be shocked to know her speech made me cry like a baby because she's talking about her dad Paul Sorvino. Her speech is actually one of the ones that I do rewatch because like when she uh yeah gives a shout out to her dad like he just like melts and starts it's, sobbing yeah. instantly like he's like composed throughout the entire thing yeah and then when she's like when you give me this award you also honor my father and then he just collapses weeping I was weeping uh it's great it, it, not a movie I've watched a lot but I remember liking it at the time yeah but also the best part of her win is like she like gets up and she first like turns to her mom and she's dating Quentin Tarantino at the time and then he just like tries to get in on a kiss with her and then they have to kiss twice because awesome. the first one is like an awkward peck <laughs> uh second straight Woody Allen uh, actress in a Woody Allen movie to win this category obviously Diane Weiss had won the year before which we talked about uh other nominees here were Joan Allen for Nixon as Pat Nixon Kathleen Quinlan for Apollo 13 Mayor Winningham for Georgia and Kate Winslet for Sense and Sensibility uh a lot of very typical i feel like all of these are like typical 90s oscar supporting actress performances yeah like um like yeah well yeah i have a hooker um <laughs> and i mean i kate won the sag so uh and this is her first nomination so it's like ascendant kate winslet mm-hmm. um and and like i mean she had her her breakthrough with heavenly creatures but it was like her first like big movie and then yeah you have like a like a wife role in kathleen hers is i remember even at the time being like how did this get in uh (laughs) just not the it's not a it's a lot of her like watching tv being stressed yeah you know that I, I, I think it's fine. Like Apollo 13 winning ensemble at SAG, like I support, like that is a massive cast. Right. And like, no one's like bad in it, you know? The problem with this category is I had a really tough time coming up with anybody else. The people I yeah. came up with were, one is a true LOL and the other one I think you could make a case for, but Renee Russo for Get Shorty, I thought like was legitimately good and like could have got in here. And then Carla Gugino for Showgirls. Actually, it's not even Carla Gugino. Wow, that's hilarious. I said the wrong actress. It's uh, what's her face from Bound? Gina Gershon from Showgirls. 
Even okay. better. That's what I would put in here. Apologies to both Carl Gugino and Gina Gershon. Um, Showgirl, I can't say I've seen that recently either. So uh, maybe that's the problem. I don't rewatch really a lot of these movies. Well, none of the Oscar movies. I mean, they're just not yeah. that many that are worth like doing. Uh, I want to briefly just burn through screenplay and then maybe we could just do the ceremony because we've been going at this for a while. We could wrap up here, but the screenplay win- winners were Usual Suspects, which was an awesome win, and Sense Sensibility, which is an awesome win. Uh, the other nominees were Braveheart for Original, Mighty Aphrodite, Nixon, Toy Story. The list of Toy Story writers is unhinged. Joss Whedon, Andrew Stanton, Joel Cohen, but not that Joel Cohen, Alex Sokolow, John Lasseter, Pete Docter, and John Raft. All nominated for Oscar for this. Yeah. Uh, I like that Toy Story is nominated. Usual Suspects, I think, is a great winner. Um, other original screenplays, like I said, like Kicking and Screaming. There's a lot of like indie movies this year, like Kicking and Screaming or like Brothers McMullen or even Friday, I could make a case for. Was it not? Before like, Sunrise. Is it Which one? Before Sunrise. Yeah, sure. And then uh, Adapted. We said Sense and Sensibility Wins. Apollo 13, Babe, Leaving Las Vegas, Il Postino. Not much else here, I would say. Clueless, I think you can make a case for, though. Yeah, I would nominate Clueless. Um, just, you know, let's make it Jane Austen all the time. And then for the ceremony itself, just I want to go through a few things. Uh, honorary Oscar goes to Chuck Jones. Robin Williams gives it out. Uh, pretty antic Robin Williams stuff here. They go right yeah. from that into John Lasseter getting a special tribute for Toy Story, an honorary, a special achievement Oscar. Uh, And he brings out Buzz and Woody dolls. And then later in the broadcast, Jim Carrey's presenting best cinematography and he gets the dolls and he reenacts Midnight Cowboy with Buzz and Woody. A really funny bit. Uh, Just an incredible Jim Carrey. Yeah, especially because after John Lasseter brings out the dolls, he just like, lays them onto the podium and they look like they're dead <laughs> like through the entirety of the speech uh jim carrey in that when he has the thing he goes uh he's so cocky i just love it this is obviously like a peak jim carrey is a movie star moment and he's like i didn't get to see it i've been busy nobody even acknowledges him saying that which is like he just doesn't care uh that i really enjoyed uh this one i found like a lot of the so again contextualizing this slightly for like the modern shows which are just bad right like this year's oscars was rough this one you have the honorary oscar for chuck jones and the john lasseter award those are like good moments then later you have uh which ones that i really like um well the documentary short is just an incredible moment it's for uh oh yeah no that one i remember watching that live and it was so incredibly moving it was a one survivor remembers um and the, the woman and, is Gerda yeah. Weissman Klein Ger- yeah, yeah Gerda I, re- Weissman I remember Klein. like that speech because she like the director accepts and then she speaks and it just you know really puts things in perspective she's a Holocaust like, survivor and it it, yeah. it on the Oscars YouTube as memorable Oscar speech that's what it's yeah, it doesn't say like the win <laughs> just it's an incredible moment it truly is like wow I cannot believe we're watching this and like yeah and just her immortal line of you know, uh, like so many who perished in the Holocaust, like, like, won't know the magic of being bored at home, which I think is something we all take for granted. Like, I love being bored at home. Like, I don't need to go out all the time and do shit. Like, right. Yeah. And then she, 
uh, tells them, she thanks them and says like, you know, when you go home tonight, like uh, paraphrasing here, but uh, you know, basically you should be grateful that uh, like, you know, that you have the freedom and like that makes you all winners. You know, like you can just go home and enjoy the night at home. Right. Uh, that I love. Kurt Douglas gets an honorary, uh, is it the Thalberg Award I think he gets? Oh, no, no, just, just an, honor, an honorary Oscar. Just an honorary Oscar. Uh, he had recently had a stroke. So again, while Kurt Douglas has become a contentious, or maybe always was a contentious uh, figure in Hollywood, uh, it's a moving speech, I think. And like his whole family is there and his wife, it's just like, very touching. And then they also have Kurt, Christopher Reeve gets a standing ovation uh, for coming out months after he was paralyzed. Yeah, in and an then they, they cut to Robin Williams, uh, you know, his BFF. And it's like really time. moving. So like all of these are like, it's like a really, it's an interesting ceremony because you have these, like like you said, the, the Braveheart wins are just like totally whatever. Even at the time, it seems like people are not that enthused by it. And like none of these movies are really well loved at the time and even now, but like the ceremony itself has these like real killer emotional moments threaded throughout. And then it also opened with their fashion show for costume design. I wrote that down too. That was actually really cool. They have uh, yeah, I like. I want them to do this, and it's it's really helpful to see some of these yeah. costumes like out of context of the films too. Like they have models doing it. Yeah, uh, it's really like a cool runway. Uh, and I guess I don't know. That's about it, Joyce. Any, anything else here before we wrap up? I mean, the show is like uh, the reviews were like. The Oscars was a showcase for Hollywood's new guard. I believe that was uh, Janet Maslin in the New York Times. Uh, um, Janice Min, who worked at People, now is runs, I think, The Ankler. Mm -hmm. and worked at Hollywood Reporter. The most egregious crime at the 68th Oscars on March 25th was the relentless elegance and good taste that deprived viewers of genuine grade A snicker fodder. So people did sure. like the show, as it turns out. Yeah, I thought it was fine. Um, it's not bad, I don't think. And you know, like Whoopi, I thought was okay. She was kind of like forgettable the rest of the night. I thought so too. She didn't really have much to do after the monologue and like um, totally fine. I just want to talk about the the score split again. Yes. Because like, that and wrap up. they did that because people were upset that like, you know, the Disney Renaissance era was dominating score. Right. So they split into dramatic score and comedy or musical score only lasted for four years. Um, and so they had, so this year, a category presented by Sharon Stone and uh, Quincy Jones. Um, so the Postman, Il Postino, won dramatic score and Pocahontas, Disney film, won uh, the comedy musical score. And this just, like reminds me of you know popular film it's like the things we want to win and the things we deem are more important are not winning correct so we're gonna or like they're not making money and people are not going to see these or like supporting these like films or whatever so we're gonna create this like offshoot so you guys can hang out here and like still be celebrated but like the real category is dramatic score correct and, and it's then funny the best part is after Pocahontas wins this, like Disney just like falls off the cliff. Like Disney Renaissance era is basically over. Um, like Pixar uh, films have one score like Up and uh, Soul, but not like uh, Disney animation, you know? 
So, yeah. And the funny thing is, again, looking at this, they got the wrong one. Uh, no offense to Pocahontas, but like Toy Story score and Randy Newman, you got a friend in me are like iconic, legendary song and score. And I think Colors of the Wind, not as legendary. Sorry to Pocahontas fans. Um, I remember singing Colors of the Wind in chorus in school. <laughs> I mean, it was a big deal, but I just think like you've got a friend in me. If you were doing this now, like you've got a friend in me would win and Pocahontas. Well, I think that's also because of the sequels and the way they just like repurpose it. But right. I think the Colors of the Wind when at the time makes sense because that was also the kind of uh, ballads they were going for right right you know so. all right Joyce this is fun uh that's it this is the Oscars play I'll talk to you soon we'll figure out we'll figure out we don't know which one we're going to do next I have not thought about it but uh, we'll come up we with have to finish that. the 90s yeah so. we'll figure which 90s one haven't we done 90 um we well we haven't done emma thompson's first win because she gets presented her oscar again by anthony hopkins who Correct. smiles when he sees her name and right. the envelope so lovely moment yeah um yeah all right so. we'll come up yeah, we haven't done gene hackman's win so yeah we got to do that maybe we'll do that one next time that was the same right. year. yeah all right bye <laughs> for all things hollywood competition and awards head to goldderby.com follow us on social media at goldderby